This is the Beachy Books Podcast. I'm Philip Bell, a published author and a writer. I run a little publishing company called Beachy Books based on the Isle of Wight. And these are my Beachy Rambles. Don't judge a book by its cover, but then we all do. So I want to talk about book covers. Um, why, you know, why, why they are like they are, and maybe, you know, why I like certain book covers and why you like them. You know, what is it that makes us pick up a book? Now. I suppose when I say picking up a book, I'm still harking back to the old days, which seems to be almost gone now, which is going into a bookshop, picking up a book and buying it. And of course, people still do that. And I hope long may they continue. Um, but a vast swathe of people, including people that go into real bookshops, buy it online. And I can see why I do as well. You just look at a little thumbnail image click on it you can maybe you, know, you can zoom in or you can you can usually look at a slightly larger picture but generally you're dealing with a little thumbnail image on an iPhone or whatever so I've actually found that book covers now have simplified because they have got to work as a small image in in a digital way so they've become sometimes less complex um, I guess a big a big selling book that's selling well in the shops anyway and people um, people don't really you know they're, they're not bothered too much all they care about is the author name so Stephen King say so you're gonna see that in great big letters because you know that's a classic thing when the author's not very famous uh, his name her or her name is small on the front cover and obviously if, as they gain popularity you'll notice the uh, author's name much larger, usually their surname. Like, um, I mean, I've got a little J.G. Ballard um, short stories I picked up that he did in the 80s, and he was obviously growing in uh, his fame and notoriety, but his, his, his name is really small on the book, but yet you, you look at them now, and the name takes up about, well, just less than a quarter of the cover. So yeah, I mean, you, you, everyone all knows that. So you, you know, you get authors that are just now known by their surname. <clears throat> um, Rankin, uh, Ian Rankin. You just see the big Rankin. You pick, see the surname, J.K. Rowling, things like that. Rowling, Rowling. Um, so that is a key thing. You see the author's name, and when I'm doing my books, my author name and. My wife's name for our Jack and Boo are, are fairly small. Um, I didn't think it was, I think it was a little bit uh, arrogant to put it really, really large and big, considering we were sort of self-publishing, doing it ourselves, and no one knew who the heck we were. 
who knows, perhaps as I grow in fame and my own notoriety, my um, watch out for my surname progressively getting larger on the, on the covers until basically it's just Bell covering the whole, whole lot. We can all dream. Um, so yeah, so you've got your name, you've got, um, and then you've got sort of like a strong image and usually the image is on the cover. I suppose, it's weird, I'm more of a, I must admit, I like graphic design, I like, but then, I'm a bit of a magpie, I like fine art as well, but I just, um, in, if I was designing one, my design aesthetic is sort of, I suppose I trained under the tutelage of designers that are a little bit more keen on graphic design, so... <clears throat> they're perhaps bolder, you know, a little bit more blocky, <laughs> I suppose. You know, I, I do that with the Jack and Boo books. It's I wanted uh, I wanted them to all look obviously as we as we created more in the series unified, and we did our first cover was just Jack and Boo on the front, in fact, which is our logo, sort of like. Um, with a bucket, bucket and spade, just digging in the sand, and that was just on quite a graphic cover, so it, it didn't represent what was inside the book, really. As in, we have colourful cartoon images over real photos, and it actually—I call it the retro cover because it—it it kind of, because I think a few people commented, it did look like an old-fashioned book, or like a—I think Janet and John, someone mentioned that kind of, you know, um, fairly simple poster-type colours. But um, anyway, so as we sort of created more books, I redesigned the covers and maybe brought in a more interesting image of Jack and Boo. Um, usually one where their faces are facing out towards the reader. And I sort of chose some kind of representative background just to give that sense that Jack and Boo kind of have adventures in the real world. Um, and then you have a nice sort of strong font for your title. Um, so really simple, simple really. And it kind of kept in keeping with the fact it was a children's book. And it's not a highly illustrated book. But... Certainly for novels, adult books, and even children's novels, that I, I've always, I used to love it as a child, poring over the cover, and halfway through reading the book, I would return back to the cover. It might be, might have been the only image in the book, and um, to kind of start to get a sense of maybe what the book's about, or maybe things I read in the book, an image on the front would now. Um, I'd be enlightened about why they chose that image. And usually it's quite abstract. I mean, my pet hate, I've got loads of pet hates with covers. One of them is the re-badged book covers that they do when a, when a book's made into a film. In fact, I still can't do it now, but I, when I was younger, I could never, I'd never want to buy a book that kind of had a really cheesy film cover um, version done. I hated that. And it was usually a still from the movie, you know, or one of those kind of movie poster type things. Um, it was just, you know, as seen on TV or, um, 
you know, now a major Hollywood movie, blah, blah. Yeah, and great. That obviously, you know, from the author's and the publisher's perspective, that's great. And that, you know, people that wouldn't normally pick up a book or recognise it go, oh, I've seen that film or I've heard of that, I'll buy that. So, yeah, I'm not so keen on that. Um, and usually a, a cover image works on... Well, it's got to work in harmony with what the book's about. So it's got to enhance that, bring that out. It's probably going to be lots of wind mic noise on this now because I'm walking up the exposed bit of the hill. Lots of wind. I'll try and... Maybe I'll walk backwards, that might help. It does look even odder now that I'm walking backwards holding a phone up to me. Buttercups. Field of buttercups and wild grass. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, the clouds are just wisping around above me. Lovely cloudy. So, you know, white, fluffy white clouds. Mm, sounds like a song. Little fluffy clouds. Um, yeah, there's also little minor bees here. They're quite famous around this area, New Church, for solitary bees. And it's, it's, the soil is very... They just love it. So you, you're walking along and you see little holes in the, in the sort of uh, light brown soil. And that's where minor bees, um, solitary bees, have made their little homes, their little nests. And they come out and you see them all in quite low level, all um, getting the uh, nectar from little wildflowers and the clover. Incredible. So many different. There's about 200, over 200 species around here. Amazing. Anyway, yes, covers. Um, uh, I digress, didn't I? And I forgot what I was talking about. Um, yes, maybe you can remind me because you're obviously listening to the podcast, so you know, you know what I've just said, but I don't. <clears throat> so I'll just move on to the fact that, yeah. Most covers have um, uh, an in it, that was it an image that 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 uh, is thematic towards the content of the book, whether it's non-fiction or fiction, which is why they're a bit sometimes abstract. So you'll never really see the face of someone. Sometimes you'll actually see a blurred face or the back of someone. Or I mean, there's just a whole sort of. Uh, tidal wave of sort of tedious looking books that have just women's legs or and it'll just present a certain thing when I mean it's fully fallen out of favour the sort of term but uh, women's literature might be you know quite detailed fine art but that sort of chick lit which I know it's probably not really referred to that anymore but that's what the media came up with is a bit, you know, there might be like a cartoon-esque version or a post, post, posterised, I think it's called posterised version of, of you know, a lady's legs on high heels kicking them back up or something or, you know, a handbag. So, you know, immediately you, you're, you're advertising to your audience, to your reader, come and buy me if you like handbags, so... Um... You know, and they can be awful for that with children's books. It's been a, 
an uproar of sorts. The children's book world about, you know, gender stereotyping. You know, those sort of quite obviously aimed at girls, packs of books that are all pink. And then those kind of more black, blue, sort of manly colours for boys. And I'd like to think that our books, things like Boo, when sometimes wear pink, like she's a fairy in one of them, yeah, fine. But other times she might be um, a pirate or... Um, you know what I mean? But her, certainly her dress is not always pink. It's We, we deliberately actually choose varying different colours. In fact, my wife does all the colouring. She comes up with colours. I, notoriously, looking at my dress sense, cannot match any colours together. I'm the most mismatched colour person in the world. Actually, Eleanor does all of all of the colour kind of choosing or I might be there and I'll go oh, what do you reckon of this you go no rubbish you know let's choose something different so she comes up with a palette and we hope that ours don't have any gender stereotyping in and and what is so annoying is when we had a bit of um oh we had some promotion on twitter we did a, a film like a sort of movie trail for one of our books and uh anyway it was tweeted around quite a bit and I, I got a little um, a little inkling of what it's like getting quite random comments on Twitter when something goes a little bit bigger than normal. And this was still tiny. It was through the comedian Peter Serafenowicz. Um Anyway, so one of his followers said, just from looking at, at the book trailer, oh, it looks a bit... Or, um, no thanks, it's not for me because the girl's wearing pink or something. And it was gutting because... The other Jack and Boos don't have Boo in pink, say. And, and thinking back now, I can't even think if she was in pink. Maybe you've got a book in front of you, you can have a look. But right now in my head, who cares? It's not... I didn't think the cover was overtly pink at all. It's orange. So that really bugged me. But it doesn't matter what people... You know, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's a critic. And that's what they read from that. It is very difficult to please everybody. So a cover really does say a lot. We're very visual people. And that's what we notice. And we make a decision about a book in about three or four seconds. You know, we, we've already made up our mind <laughs> about what, who it's for. Yeah, the audience of the book, the readership, who it's for. And what the book is going to be about. So the book cover saying, it's got to say, hey, come over here. You, yes, you, you would like this book because you're the same as this book or there's characters in this book that would appeal to you. It's got to do a heck of a lot and it is really important. You know, colours can put people off. You know, as I've just sort of said, they can have a negative association. Um, you know, you get people with sight um, sight problems and uh, colour problems, and again, that could be an issue. So, ideally, a good cover's got to work in grayscale as well, because you obviously could be looking on a on a a, a grey um, Kindle, you know, like an e-reader. Um, which is, again, I quite like graphic kind of things, or simple. Um, 
Yeah, so, so, yes, you do judge a book by its cover. It's a ridiculous phrase, <laughs> because we all do. Um, so you can't change people's perceptions of things. If you sort of mean, you can't sort of, so you've got to work with that. You've got to know that people will judge your book by its cover. So actually having that armed with that bit of information is very useful. Because it is, it is the key bit of advertising you've got on your book. Um, so yeah, I mean, with the explosion of, of self-publishing, um, and I'm talking more the Kindle side of things, the, the e-book, you, you, I've noticed um, a heck of a lot of photo agencies springing up that cater just for this, or even designers that just knock out generic book designs. Um, um, yeah, and, and they really do look generic. <laughs> So there, there'll be a kind of horror type looking one, a crime one, I don't know, maybe the crime one might be a white background or, well yeah, a classic crime one is, is white and what's the other classic colour in crime? Red for blood. So there'll be some blood splatted on it or some sort of David Fincher-esque thing, macabre image or hint of a macabre image, a skull or a gun you know, there's all these tropes and they go round and round and people will immediately look at that and go, oh yes I've seen that before that's the kind of book I like I'm buying that um, you know, a cover helps sell the book I mean, it's the key it's the key marketing trick um, and unfortunately your whole book can be judged from it. And it, what is fascinating, in fact, is yeah, is um, the fact that covers do not stay the same. Because a, a successful book, and I'm talking a book that sells well, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, etc., etc., and, you know, ones from classic known authors, will get rebadged. They'll get redesigned every year, every couple of years, and you'll see... A whole load of new covers, you know, Ian M. Banks or whoever it is, you'll see the new lot. And it's quite funny when you go into charity shops, second-hand shops, you'll see the older covers. I love that. Actually, this is very sad, but for some books, some authors, I've actually collected the old covers of the of the of the classic book I like. So, so yeah, there's the solitary bees below my feet now, just sort of buzzing around. They're not dangerous. Let's gently walk through them. Um, yeah, so all these different various covers. And it's interesting to see a different artist's interpretation of it. Even at different publishers, because sometimes a different publisher will get hold of a book and give it a rebadge. There might be a cheaper version. You know, it's fascinating. I read old sort of short stories and they're rebadged in various different packages. And the cover really... It's almost like if you're reading the same story, but with a different cover. I don't know what it is about it, but the book has a different feel. It, it just influences you more than I thought it would. And in fact, sometimes I can't even, or I wouldn't, I'd be 
strongly opposed to read even a good story that I know I love if I'm not that keen on the cover. It's bonkers. Less as if I'm holding a physical book. That's more the sense of that. Like I like old paperbacks and a bit more abstract covers, maybe. Like there's a short. I mean, short story collections are difficult to obviously make a cover for because even though the stories are themed, sometimes they are difficult to come up with a, a killer image, say that sums up everything. But there's one I've got an old science fiction penguin. Um, I think it's called More Science Fiction. It does what it says on the tin. And there's a Kandinsky print on there. Beautiful, just abstract. And probably maybe that does help. And it just helps, I don't know. It's obviously, it's in a penguin, so you get that orange of the penguin cover. You've got a tinted grey, grayscale photo on the back of the editor, which is Brian Aldis. The pages are all a little bit you know, dog-eared and there's those little crackles in it. Stuff I like. It's got that smell. Beautiful. It's a whole package thing. It isn't just the cover. But I tell you what, it was the cover that attracted me. Actually, I I tell a lie, it was the spine. I read it and I thought, oh, I've got the first one of these. I want the second. I hadn't realised they'd published another volume back in the 60s. Um... So then I slid it out of the bookshelf, noticed it was a bit dog-eared, saw the cover and thought, oh, just added to the atmosphere of it all. It was classy. I thought, there's going to be a good read here. But if it had had one of those sort of uh, pulp fiction, and I'm talking, you know, the real, you know, not the film, pulp fiction sort of, uh, B-movie type cover that you, you see a lot on, on the older sci-fi, which I also really love, it just would have had a different um, feeling <laughs> do you know what I mean um, and again, same again with another book, again sort of familiar authors I like another Ballard, this Ballard um, J.G. Ballard short story collection I think it was done by Panther science fiction anyway again i love those again that was another publisher repackaging them and their covers are that classic i think it's a 70s or maybe 80s i think it's 80s actually it's got that this is in science fiction again the fashion was for those sort of classic almost like prog rock um vinyl cover you know prog rock album covers just crazy space um, illustrations of crazy space sort of spaceships um, so yeah you know and then, what, what other things I just I think there's and you get fashions of covers and at the moment there's that kind of especially historic novels you never quite see the person or you see the eyes or I mean that is another seems to be another unwritten rule you're not allowed to actually have someone's face on it unless they're the actor in the movie which I always find annoying and weird and I'm sure you can find countless examples to prove me wrong here but you try finding go into your bookshop and have a look see if you can spot a novel um, I think we'll stick with novels because non-fiction might do it more because non-fiction might be about a real person or um, a biography or yeah so certainly in fiction you'd be hard pressed to find a real person on the front 
even like a photograph of a model in a pose or whatever stock photo shot because going back to the self-publishing revolution about all these designers coming up with generic covers they they either have that well they're either quite simplified they just have an immediate mood based on color and usually there's lots of stock photo images like catalog shots of people you know like a, a woman looking through a keyhole or um i don't know a couple entwined in bed but it's all crunch, uh, you know sort of faded out and you just see their feet or or whatever you know that kind of bland generic looking thing or you know it's a holiday read so it's all tropical um you know there's a little parasol and a or it's a, it's a gritty it's a gritty crime thing but a bit cooler you know like sort of train spotting so it's well that was fantastic that book cover so um but i think i don't know whether the well obviously the book came first but i can't remember whether i saw it first in its train spotting kind of cover that they use for the film anyway that's beside the point that was uh, i mean you get some books are just amazing even when they republish it with a cover because they the cover's even better maybe um anyway yeah unless it is a movie actor who starred in the adaptation of it um, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a face, a full face. You'll find probably the back of someone's head or their eyes or... And I'm trying to search my head now to see if I, I'm wrong. I probably am. But you, you generally don't get it. Um, just thinking what else is in covers. Um, yeah, again, I don't know what attracts me. I guess, obviously, you look for the author. You look, you're already, okay, just assuming you're in a real bookshop, or you're on Amazon, you're looking in a, for a genre or a, an area of the shop that you like, so you know you're in the right ballpark. Then you look for an author you know you like. So if you don't know those two things, and you're browsing, say, at the front of the shop, and publishers pay a lot of money to get all their things up at the front of the shop and get them visible... What does attract you? If you haven't got an author name to hook onto, or something you've previously heard of, or you're in the section that you know you like, what the hell, what else do you hook onto? Well, you've only then got the cover, because you're not going to know the author from Adam or Eve. So, it's, I'd say I pass by thousands of covers because they just put me off because I guess they've signalled to me that I'm not going to like it um, I mean as I say I quite like typography um, so the use of type almost on its own or, or, or the use of type to make the graphic elements so there was, again this was a rebadging of the 007, you know the James Bond books Ian Fleming books and there was a, there's a beautiful new collection out now that uses just typography, just the font and the type, to make the images. Um, again, it's just got Ian Fleming, it's got the name of the book, and then it's got the, the typography, just maybe they've stretched out a letter to make it look like a classic James Bond gun. So, yeah, that kind of thing. Beautiful. Love that kind of graphic design. Um, 
you know, you, you're picking up something classy. Obviously, the decision's already been made with James Bond. You already know about the, the, the franchise, you know about it. In fact, invariably, a lot of people haven't read the books because they've come across Bond through the films, first of all. But, um... Anyway, I've, I've rambled longer than normal because I'm home. And you can hear my busy road. So... I'll bid you farewell for now. And yeah, just, um, you know, perhaps you could uh, be a little bit more aware when you go into a bookshop now. And maybe take some time to look at the covers and see what, try and think about what they do. You know, what messages do they send to you? Anyway, have a good day. Listening to the Beachy Books podcast, presented by Philip Bell. Music by Dan O'Neill. <laughs>